What's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Cud Talk Podcast. This week, Chris and I uh, will be discussing his sermon preparation. He's going to give you all a little behind-the-scenes look into what he does on a weekly basis to prepare for the sermon. We're also going to talk about a little bit of expository preaching. If you don't know what that is, stay tuned. And then finally, we are going to discuss Ephesians chapter 1, mainly verse 18, when Paul says uh, he is praying for the church there at Ephesus, and he prays that their hearts be be enlightened, and we're going to talk about what that means for us today. Hey, we're excited. Let's get it started. What's up, everybody? I am super excited to start the Cud Talk podcast. Chris, have you ever done a podcast before? Absolutely not. No? No, I have not, and... (laughs) Quite honestly, I have only started listening to podcasts within the last 12 to 18 months. Man. I'm okay. old. So are you excited about this? <laughs> I'm very excited about okay, this. Good, good, good. So, um, For all of you new listeners, my name is Jonathan Vaughn. I'm the Connections Pastor here at CUD. This is Chris Shawan. He's the Lead Pastor, Senior Pastor. What, what, what are you called? PK. <laughs> there is no, I don't know, the title is kind of ironic. Preacher Chris. Yes. Um, well, just to get a few things out of the way for our first episode, um, we are going to be doing these on a weekly basis. Um, we are, uh, they're on most of the platforms that you would listen to podcasts. They're on Apple, Spotify. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We are going to have them here on Facebook, uh, a video uh, platform of it. But just so you know, on Facebook, um, for uh, conversation purposes and for talking into the mic purposes. Um, Chris and I are going to look at each other most of the time and not really the camera. So don't think we're ignoring you Facebook watchers. Yes. Um, it's just easier that we have dialogue, uh, just like you would, if you were at lunch with someone, you want to look them in the face. So absolutely. Uh, just don't think we're ignoring you on Facebook. We're just, uh, in conversation, which it, I think is what you want. It brings back bad memories pandemic of <laughs> preaching into a pinhole camera and not having any interaction with anybody. So, yeah. so it's better to look at each other. I think yeah. that's the best way to do it. So, so. Uh, if you are, once again, if you, if you don't know about the podcast and you're just tuning in, um, what we're going to do is, and kind of the easiest way for content, but also I think one of the most beneficial things, or, or, or a beneficial thing that we are going to do, we are going to take uh, every week, we're going to take the previous week's sermon um, and discuss it and ask questions on it. I mentioned in the uh, in the trailer, um, both on Facebook and on Apple Podcasts, that, um, that there's many times when, and people may not realize this, they may, um, when you are sermon prepping, that you get to certain points and you have to condense your teaching. Um, I know we have a lot of teachers here in the school, and so they can probably understand that. You have all this information that you want to get across, but you have to condense it. And there's some stuff that if you have 30, 40 minutes of preaching, you say, hey, to really get the central idea of this text across, I can't mention this certain thing, or I can't tell this certain story otherwise um, my 40 minutes will be spent telling stories or, or, or that are beneficial but may not lead to the central idea of the text. Right. And so uh, during this podcast, we want to talk about either something you didn't get to discuss during your sermon prep or um, oftentimes I know as a uh, – I preach probably, what would you say, eight times a year? Probably, maybe? yeah. Eight, eight times a year or so. And so I'm in the congregation the other 44 <laughs> weeks of the year, 40, right. probably 42. I, I take a couple weeks off. But uh, – 
But I know that when someone else is preaching, that there's often times that they'll read a scripture or they'll say something, and I'm like, hey, I want to know a little bit more about that. Can you dive into that? And because, once again, you're you're trying to get the main idea of the text to the people, that's your job as a preacher, um, you may not be able to dive into certain things, or you may not be able to dive in as deep as you want to in that 40-minute period. And so this podcast, we're really just going to be discussing those type of things. Um, And I think it'll be really beneficial uh, for you as the listener, for you as the viewer, uh, but also for you, because now you can sermon prep and you say, hey, I don't have to leave this out. We can talk about this on our weekly podcast on Thursdays. And that's good, because when you start combining a lot of these scholars who have poured their life into unpacking these texts, and you have a five or six verse passage that literally can have hundreds to thousands of pages of information. There's absolutely no way to connect it all. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes the greatest challenge is in this moment, what is the meat of what needs to be shared from the word? And that is where you kind of have to start. Yeah. Um, And so that gets me just, just for episode one, um, share with the listeners kind of your sermon preparation process. Sure. Um, that's probably, I would say, and I hope you would too, probably the most important part of your job here at the church mm-hmm. is sermon preparation. Um, and so dive into that a little bit. Give people a little bit uh, inside baseball um, sure. to, to a pastor and how, how you mm-hmm. begin your sermon prep, what that looks like. Sure. And I think... You have to look at two different things there, first and foremost. One is, obviously, you have to begin praying. Because if you don't, then you're absent of really any communication with the Lord, any leadership, sensitivity to the Spirit. Because if not, you become someone who simply is trying to be creative in your presentation. And not that creative is necessarily a bad thing, but it can become very unbiblical pretty, pretty quickly. So yeah, when when you when you are too creative, you you tend to and and I hope maybe you aren't familiar with this term, not you, the listener. Sure. Um, you over spiritualize. Absolutely, you add things to the text that aren't there. Absolutely, uh, and that's very dangerous. Well, and it also lends itself to being having a very sentimental approach to a passage, um, where we adapt a meaning to meet a need instead of the need it speaks to, and so. Keeping context is super, super critical in that time. <clears throat> yeah. So, so you just begin to pray about, and typically, typically, when you're looking at what you're going to preach about, you know, um, there's thematic messages and, and series where you can follow a thread like of hope through many passages, mm-hmm. which is not in and of itself bad, and and sometimes in the body of Christ. You need to do those types of things. And I think that I know you and I agree on this, and I think hopefully people will will lean more towards this, that the best way to learn the Word is to walk through the Word, you know, um, expository preaching, expositionally, and, and, and taking what God intended in that moment, and it's going to be applicable to anything that's happening in our life. And so, you know, that's that decision of our ain't, is this direction over these next X amount of sermons going to be we're walking through this book together? Is there something the church is suffering through that we need to address? And then the preparation kicks from there. Um, 
And, you know, like we're doing right now, we've gone through, like we said, Jonah and some different books already, I think is the most beneficial way. Yeah, so since I've been here, we have, and I've been here since May of 22, um, we've gone through the book of Jonah, the book of Philippians, and now we're on the book of Ephesians. Am I missing any? I no. That's what we've done. Okay. No. So, no. so, and then I think you, you may have, I think, I know we did a series on um, our vision uh, and mm-hmm. what the church is, and I think that took up about eight weeks. So for the most right. part, I've been here, we've been studying through books. Yeah. And so uh, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit there. Why do you, as the, the pastor, the, the main uh, preacher here, why do you think or why do you believe going through books is beneficial? And I would say you probably think it's the best way. I think you mentioned that. Sure. But also seeing since the time I've been here, we've done that the majority of the time. And so why do you think that's the way you preach? Do you just like it better? What are the benefits of that? Well, I think there's a, a, there's a ton of benefit in doing it that way. Um, first and foremost, I think the best benefit is for the actual congregation itself. I believe in my heart truly that people in the church have a true intent and desire to know the word. And it's not the intent and the desire. I think that so much is lacking. It's just the, um, it's, it's the ability, the time, the focus, the how to do it. And if we can do that as the greatest number of people on Sunday morning, typically in the church together, and we can walk through the word with people together. I think it makes them less afraid or less tedious and, 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 and fearful of going through the word because they're not just reading it and trying to process it themselves. Mm-hmm. There's instruction. It's not me or my opinion that I'm sharing with them that this is where we are in the word and this is what people are saying and have said and studied and really be able to pour in the life application to that as well. So it's a great time, one, that we can all be in the Word together, reading the same thing at the same time, thinking on the same thing. It's very unifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, two, it raises, and I know you and I have talked a lot about this, um, biblical literacy in people to read what's next Mm -hmm. and read what's before and stay committed to 12 to 16, however many weeks it takes you to walk through a book together. That's a huge commitment on people's behalf. And as they learn in that way and as they process the word that way, it also brings in connections to other writings and other places in Scripture where then you are able to go another avenue and bring in something else that ties in. So there's a lot less room for, again, creative error, over preaching, over spiritualizing, when this is what the text says and what it does not. And I think the more that we approach preaching from the pulpits on Sunday mornings in this manner of expositional preaching, people begin to understand what over spiritualizing is. Mm-hmm. And I think it grows them and be like, yeah, I get that that might feel that way, but this is really what's being said. Yeah. I think it, um, and it's my favorite way to preach is through a book for a couple of reasons. You mentioned two of them there. Um, I think it also helps people uh, without directly saying, um, uh, like these catchphrase verses, like Philippians four thirteen mm-hmm. or or um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 
uh, it takes that habit out of just going in and pinpointing scripture and right. saying, hey, I'm going to use that scripture for this context. And it really shows the heart behind that scripture. Um, I'm all, I, 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 uh, I'm all for scripture memorization and memorizing certain verses. Um, but I think it's good to know the heart behind them. If you were to take, um, a book, just any book, any book you have on your shelf at home, uh, and you've read it before and you go to one highlighted verse or highlighted sentence, that sentence, if you don't read the rest of the book, you could, you, you would never hand that to somebody and say, Hey, read this highlight because they don't know the rest of the book. And so exactly. they, they may take it out of context. They may take it to mean whatever they want to mean about the author. And that's really dangerous. Um, and I think when we preach straight through whole books, we teach people and ourselves um, to know the context of God's Word. For instance, we went through Philippians um, back this summer, uh, and I actually preached the sermon on that included verse uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Um, and when Jesus, uh, or when Paul writes that you, uh, I can do all things, he's talking about as though I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, what he's not meaning there, uh, you know, if you just if you just said that verse, and I know many many of us have, they say, hey, I can get over this obstacle because I have Christ. I can do anything because I have Christ. I can. Well, you know, what about the five six middle school basketball player? Can he go dunk the basketball exactly because of that verse? And <laughs> right. And and the answer is no. And so then, if we make that though the truth of that verse, that I can do anything, I can dunk a basketball at five six. What what non-believers and non-readers of God's word say is, hey, you said this was truth exactly. about the Bible you read, but it's not truth. You can't do anything. But when you read the whole book, you see that Paul says, hey, I can go through any circumstance because I find my strength in the Lord. I don't find it in money. I don't find it in athletic ability to dunk a basketball. Like I can go and be content in all circumstances because I find my strength, I find my my foundation in Christ, and so no, I can't go out uh, uh, and run as fast as the cars on Highway Nine because of Jesus. Right. No, but I can be content when my mother is in the hospital on her deathbed because I don't find my strength in that relationship. I Absolutely. find my strength and comfort in Jesus Christ. Um, and, and not to dive into deep to this analysis, sure, but, no. uh, illustration. But you can be sad, you can mourn, but right. I'm, I'm content. And my strength is found in Jesus. And so you don't get that unless you read the whole book. Um, And what's really dangerous is if you don't, let's say you did preach a message on, um, you know, accessing, we even talked a little bit about it Sunday, accessing the power of God, and you threw in there that one verse from Philippians 4.13. That can be super dangerous. Absolutely. And so I do think it's really good to go through book. Also, another reason, and I know, uh, we're running short here on time, but um, I think it's really good that um, oftentimes we as the congregation, um, or even you as the pastor, uh, we as the congregation can think, man, I told the pastor something in confidence this week or two weeks ago, and now he's preaching on that subject. He, he's doing this to step on my toes. Absolutely. Or he's doing this because everybody in, in the congregation knows what's going on in my life. That can make people really upset. That can hurt people. That can make people um, really offended. But also you as a pastor protects you from saying, hey, I've had all these kind of uh, good conversations, deep conversations in confidence I can't preach about that for two weeks, or I can't preach about that for three weeks. No, when you preach straight through a book, sorry, next topic's the next topic. Absolutely. Um, we're going through the book of Ephesians. People know what's coming four weeks from now. 
Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so you no, can't, there's no imbalance yeah, there yeah, with that. There's Absolutely. No, there's no, oh, well, Chris, I, I shouldn't have told him that because now he's preaching on it and he's fussing at me in front of everybody. Right. And that's not the case. Because, and that betrays relationship. Yeah. And you know what's coming. Absolutely. I'm um, sorry. I, have, I hate that this stepped on your toes. Uh, I believe that's divine intervention, um, Ex- not Chris's right. motive. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you know, and you, you hit on something else, and I know, again, we're going to move on, but you hit on something really critical, I think, that preaching expositionally helps. It, it prevents proof texting. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for again, proof texting, if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's what I believe about something and then finding scripture to back yeah, up my belief. Up. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that takes contextually things completely out of the right context. It, it affirms you, not the word, and, and it puts out a very dangerous philosophy and theology that the center of everything is me and not God's and not God's word. And by doing that and walking through books and, 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 and passages in, in their totality, you can't do that. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen, um, and maybe not with the ones we went through, but there's some passages that are really obscure that you, you may go through a book, and say, I would never preach on this. Oh, absolutely. Like, it just is really obscure, and how am I going to make this a 30, 40-minute sermon? And and diving into that, because uh, Paul tells Timothy that all Scripture, he doesn't, everything. Say, he doesn't say just the Gospels or, or just the most highlighted verses. Everything, all Scripture is God-inspired, uh, God-breathed. Um, Useful. And good. And good and whole. Uh, and profitable. And yes. it's good for rebuking and teaching. And so it's good that we, as pastors, uh, tackle those uh, because it does. It teaches our people, too, that the whole word is good. Absolutely. Um, so, cool. Well, yeah. we, we're going to jump into this week's sermon now, but I think it was good to kind of lay that foundation for uh, sure. for, for our listeners um, in episode one just to kind of talk about uh, what you do to sermon prep uh, that kind of give a little inside to your heart, but also inside to to kind of things we're going to talk about. So I'm going to grab my Bible real quick. Yeah. So this week we were in Ephesians 1. Um, what verses did we cover? 15, 15 to 23. 23. Yes. Okay. So we finished chapter 1. 15, we finished chapter 15 1. through the end of the chapter. Yes. Yes. I was there, I promise, and I listened. I know you were. You were um, there. <laughs> but uh, one verse I wanted to talk about in particular uh, is Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 18. And it says this. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so when I read that, um, some some texts may say, I pray that the, the eyes of your heart are open. And, and when we hear that, oftentimes we may initially think, you know, that Paul here or that we are supposed to pray that for non-believers, that we pray, hey, I pray that your heart's enlightened. I pray that your heart is softened. I pray that you will come to faith. That's a really good prayer to pray. Um, sure. But Paul here is writing and, and praying for the Ephesian church which is assumedly, you know, made up of some believers. Mm -hmm. And so why would he be praying that for already believers? And I think this is something really good. Um, And you mentioned a little bit on Sunday that, that our heart, that, that, that when we begin our relationship with Jesus, it is not the end point. Like it's not the, you know, if you have kids that are non-believers and, you know, and I know 
there are some parents out there listening or there's some parents listening that their kids are growing up and you're just like, man, I hope that one day they'll come to faith. Maybe they're a two, three, four, five-year-old. I know I hope this for my kids. Um, when they come to that point, it's not a, oh, praise God. They're right. there. They're there. It's they arrived. It. We've done. hit it. Yeah. We're good. And yeah. it's the same thing for us. It's not a we've arrived and, and the race is over. That honestly is not just the starting point. That's the launching point. For For so long, we've been living in darkness and now all of a sudden we have light like who would just sit there at the fi- at the in the woods with their flashlight just standing there saying hey i found light I found-. no yeah. you'd go explore you'd, you'd see find the world it. in yes. a whole new light you'd you'd then have a greater quality of life and so when it talks about and paul says hey i pray that your heart may be enlightened i think for all of us we need to know that that prayer is for us, that our hearts should continue to be enlightened. Uh, I was having a conversation with my wife last night that so many of us, um, because our faith is so strong and because our beliefs are so strong, sometimes we don't want to be movable in any of our thoughts. Mm. Um, and I think that that is contradictory, kind of what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, I hope this is a continual process, that you yes. will continue, your heart will continue to be enlightened. Um, I told my, my men's Bible study this on Wednesday night, on Wednesday night, long time ago. And I said, man, if I look back in a year and I'm the same exact person with the same exact thoughts, I didn't grow any. Any. The, yeah. the, the root of repentance really is just changing your mind. That's what repentance is. Absolutely. When you say, God, I'm repenting, you're not just asking for forgiveness. You're saying, hey, I want to change my mind about what I believe about this sin or what I believe about Jesus. And so I just want to personally ask, yeah. can you tell us a story of just recently when your heart has been enlightened? When your heart, and what I mean by that, and what I think Paul means by that, is your heart be, has changed on something uh, more toward Jesus's heart. Well, and I think when we're talking about this passage, particularly on Sunday, I think there's two key parts of that that we we kind of hit it, but we didn't really get to go where we needed to go. In that, I think two things need to happen. I think number one is awareness, that we become more spiritually aware of those times when we are not like Christ. And for a lot of people, they're cool with that. How does that happen? Well, I think it... Because here, here's yeah. what I would say. Here's what I would yeah. say. When you need to be more spiritually aware, you can only do that by getting closer to Jesus. By, by walking, you, yeah, you your walk. You can only know how far apart you are by comparison. By comparison. And, uh, and that's the whole reason we have the Ten Commandments, right? Exactly. It's not to, hey, follow these to a T. It's to show... You can't do you this. can't do it's this. To compare your life to that and say, "Hey, this is impossible." You need a savior. Absolutely, and so Absolutely. I think you can only become spiritually aware by getting closer to by, Jesus. Yeah, growing closer to Christ. And a lot of people do the opposite. Yes, it's like losing weight before you go to the gym. They mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I need to get my life right before before I do this." I feel that guilt. I feel that shame. And Christ is like, "Yeah, you're comparing yourself to me. Of course, you're going to look in the mirror and say, <laughs> I am a failure.' Ah, uh, yes, but." Then you get to see me and say, hey, he's still loving and he's still going to stand in my place to make me perfect. Exactly. So, okay, spiritual. No, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. No, and that's exactly right because we do. Our awareness becomes not just in failures, in victories, because there are times that you do realize, hey, God affirmed in my life in this moment. I did how he, I was how he would want me to be here. And so, and then the other part of that is growth is you can't just know it. You have to commit yourself to, once you're aware that, you know, I'm not being like Christ in this moment, I have to then 
figure out the next step of saying, all right, God, I'm aware of this. Help me to change this in my life. And so for me, I mean, I think all of us, we should be able to see these every day. Um, but again, that's a caveat of our growing walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you need to celebrate those times when you do. I mean, be humble in it, but be thankful that God revealed that to you. So this past week, uh, most of our church folks know, um, our whole family got hit with stomach bug. Yeah. Bad. Me and two of the boys, um, all three of us were sick the same time in the same room. Tragedy. It was terrible. However, um, as we were coming out of that, um, and the boys were wanting to start eating again, my young, one of my sons asked me, and he said, hey, he said, I want, I want this for lunch. Can you make this for lunch? And I was like, absolutely. And so I made it for him. He comes to the table, and he just throws an absolute fit. This is not what I asked for. I didn't ask for this. And I was like, this is exactly what you asked for. I made it, and now you're going to eat it. None of us have eaten for two days. None of us have slept for two days. We're cranky. We're ugly. And the tone and the attitude of my nature in response to a very basic need in my child was I was very short. I was very, I'm the authority here. You're going to eat with that because that's what you asked for. And I set it down, and I said, eat it. Let's go. And I walked off, went to the bedroom to change the sheets on the bed. As soon as I walked into the bedroom, I realized, I mean, I absolutely felt a conviction that said, do you see what you just did? And I turned around, I walked back to the table, and I, and I, I did not address my son as like, hey, did dad just hurt your feelings? Did I just hurt your feelings? I got down and face to face and I said, I realized I just hurt you. And, of course, to which his response was, yeah, you hurt me bad. And in that moment, I realized, and, and it came into my head, you know, parents, don't push your children to anger. Treat them, love them, care for them, speak to them in ways that are loving. And, I, and I, I, my tone can be harsh, and I know that. My wife has told me that. And, and in that moment, what I was doing was a very menial, menial task. It was just food. But it was more than that. It was an interaction with my child, and it was a modeling of a, a response of allowing things to circumstances to dictate my response, which was not a godly, fatherly response. It was mac and cheese versus shells and cheese. This was not World War here. And, um, and my heart was broken because I realized in that moment I was absolutely not a pastor, a father, a Christian in front of my child. Yeah. And so to go back and say to him, not did I do this, but being aware that I knew my tone hurt him mm-hmm. and owning and confessing my fault in that moment to him and asking for his forgiveness and just saying, Hey, no excuses. Guys, it's got to be better than that. Um, for me, those things are examples of our eyes being opened because it's not some great doctrinal or theological necessarily revelation, but it's a practical life living way. Well, I think it can be both. Though. And it can it be can both. Be. Yeah. And it should and it should be both. Mm. But in that instance, in that moment, it was a, a living 
practical mm-hmm. relationship, one on one, human to human type of awareness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think I think you mentioned a couple things there. I want to address. Uh, number one, um, you mentioned it, that your heart was enlightened because you because you felt the uh, the I'll, I'll say guilt or remorse mm-hmm. um, for for your actions. Um, and many of us can say, yeah, I'd have felt guilty too. But if you look at your own self, um, you, you could have very well said, begin to justify those actions instead of being remorseful. Like you could have said, and I'm sure there are people listening that were justifying those actions for you. They were saying, well, he gets what he gets and my kid got what he got. Right. Right. And, uh, and so it's good for you to change your heart and say, instead of saying, uh, instead of justifying uh, your actions, you looked to the Lord and said, hey, my loving, gracious Father shows mercy and grace to me. How, what did I just display to my kid? Absolutely. And so it, it's good there that you question your actions. But two, um, you mentioned that, um, it, well, I'll go back to that one. Uh, I think oftentimes the reason, I think I think the number one time, or, or number one reason, and maybe even the only reason that our hearts aren't enlightened is because of pride. Sure. Um, because we say in that scenario, well, I'm the dad. Right. I'm in charge. What I say in this house goes. And while that's true, what you say all the time isn't right. And so <laughs> exactly. you may need to change what you say goes. Mm-hmm. Even though you are the, the head of the household, you may need to change what you say. And you may need to change the rules. Um, not to be a pushover, but to be a better dad. Be a better dad. Be a better dad that's a Christ follower. Absolutely. Um, and so you're not giving up authority. You're not giving up headship of, or, or leadership of the house, um, but you are trying to walk more like Christ. And so uh, enlightenment um, oftentimes, though, is it doesn't come because we're prideful. Um, and you mentioned that it doesn't always come in big uh, theological ways, but I think it can um, and as you mentioned, not always, but it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we should always, and there are certain things that you should not budge on um, in your doctrine or theology. But I think in order to grow, you do need to learn and you need to come to enlightenments that I think God will give us along the way in the pro- through the process of sanctification of becoming more like Christ until that day that we are with him and whole. Um that our ideas on some theology should change. Absolutely. Um, and, and like I said, I don't mean foundationally. I don't mean that uh, we can only be saved by grace through faith um, or that Jesus is the only, Jesus is the way, the light, and no one comes to the Father except for him. We don't change those things. Uh, but we examine, and, and God will enlighten us in us of, of things that do need to change about our doctrine or theology that's off. Um, and I often say it's good, and I would encourage you, listener, today, to inspect your life, see if there's any actions like Chris said that aren't Christ-like right now, and ask God, say, show me where I'm messing up. Show me where I need to be enlightened. Show me how I've not been Christ-like. And he will if you allow yourself to be convicted of that, if you if you dive into his words, if you compare yourself. Um, even his spirit can convict you of things you've never been convicted of before. Um and, but also, ask about your doctrine and theology. Ask uh, ask God, say, hey, God, is there anything I'm doing right now? Um, and we preached on this not too long ago. Is there anything I'm doing right now that I do it just because of habit? Sure. Or I do it because just of tradition? Um, one thing I often ask myself uh, in ministry, but also in church administration, is 
when we look at, especially in our annual planning meeting in October, when we look at the calendar and we look at the year past, I say, hey, why are we doing certain certain things? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing certain offerings? Why are we doing certain mission trips? Why are we doing certain camps? And if the only legit answer is because we've always done it that way, we probably shouldn't do it. Absolutely. And I think, too, piggybacking on the previous conversation we've had about the why expository preaching is so powerful is because having this awareness to be open to have your theology changed to the biblical, conform to the biblical standard is that there are a lot of people who have grown up believing certain things that they never truly encountered in the Bible. But when they do in the text and it contradicts the belief to where they realize that my belief all along has actually been unbiblical. And that's like a whole nother episode. How do we process what we've believed all of our life? We tell we come around and find that it's not biblical. And so I think that going through that expository way of preaching helps raise, again, this awareness, this enlightened heart to know when something is out of God's will and His teaching. So, Man, it's been a good first episode. Had fun. Yeah. And we can do it again next week. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good, man. Hey, listen, we will see you guys. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, Hope y'all will tune in again Uh, next week. We'll drop these once again on podcast form on Thursdays. Y'all can listen anytime there uh, on Facebook. They'll be on Thursdays as well. We'll see you guys in a week. See you. Thanks.